0: My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And for all of you who are right here that I can see, or for all of you who are over in our corner classroom and overflow space, we're so glad that, that you're here. And uh, as Laura mentioned, we are in the middle of a teaching series where we're looking at what we talk about here every week. We say all the time that we want to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus, but what does that really mean? What does that really look like? How can you tell if that's happening in your life? What are kind of the marks or the characteristics of someone who is actually in a transforming relationship with Jesus? So we've been walking through what that really looks like, kind of some touch points of what that really, really looks like. And I'm so excited today for us to look at something that's a part of our life with God is how do we learn the art of giving? How do we learn to be actually givers? How do we look at God and our stuff differently that leads us in a way to live life as we're actually meant and created to live? And so we kind of talk about this stuff regularly at Soul City Church. I'm glad as a church that we talk kind of openly and honestly and freely about our stuff, our finances, because that's a part of our life, part of our relationship with God. And in fact, yesterday, this is what's so fun. I just want to give a little, before I get into the notes, I want to give a little shout out to what happened yesterday. Yesterday. So fun. Uh, Yesterday, we had a budget boot camp here at our church that we offered to folks. Anyone could come. And where we get into kind of the nitty gritty. There's some teaching and there's a lot of kind of workshop stuff where you get into your actual budget. It's really fun. brought a picture from yesterday, all led by amazing volunteers at our church. Uh, Folks are kind of part of our financial leadership team here. Uh, I think Keith Cantrell is in the background. Uh, Tamara Dervin who led that. I mean, just amazing folks. And so cool to see our church kind of packed in with folks who really want to take seriously and take responsibility with what they have. And so I love that we talk about this kind of stuff and we try to offer as best practical next steps as possible. And so in the spirit of kind of, you know, being honest and being real with sort of where we're at, I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to answer, answer honestly, okay? So I know you're in church and you're going to want to answer like churchy answers. I want you to answer honestly. And here's the best part. Your answer is just raising your hand or not raising your hand. Can you do that? I'm not confident at all that you can do that based just on that first question. Your quiz is not going so well. Okay, so here's what I want you to think about. And if this is true of you, I want you to raise your hand. How many of us would consider, how how many of you would consider yourself at some level to be a generous person or or, or a person who who gives when when needs arise? How many of us kind of think of ourselves as a generous person? Yeah, a lot, like look around, a lot of hands go up for that. I mean, because I think that... That is how we like to view ourselves. We like to believe. I like to believe, at least by myself, that, I mean, I know I have a ton of room to grow, right? I know I have a ton of room to grow, and I don't always know kind of when to give or what to give to, right? Maybe you come across scenarios where you don't know what to do, but I think we like to think of ourselves as generous people, to believe that we're generous. In fact, the truth is Americans in general like to think of themselves as giving people. A lot of study and research gone into this, and they found this, this last year, they kind of pulled a bunch of different people who actually gave to something, a charity, an organization, or a church within the last year, and 62% of Americans gave at least something once last year. Now, that's the majority, technically, <laughs> but is that an inspiring number? When you think about a country that kind of postures itself as a generous nation, only about 62% of us gave something. Doesn't even, like, they didn't even record how much. Just gave something in the last year. So I like to, we like to think and believe that we're generous, but the numbers don't always back that up. In fact, there was a, a study that was done that came out this last fall that came from the Center, or the Chronicle of Philanthropy. They did a big study, came out this last October, and they wanted to measure how generous our country really is. And so they looked at the top 50 Metropolitan cities, the biggest 50 cities in the United States, and marked and ranked them by how generous they are and how much they actually give. Now, I just want you to shout out a number out of 50, one being the best, 50 being the worst, where do you think our great city of Chicago fell on that list? Now, just take a guess, because literally, it's going to be a guess. All right. Yep. You guys have a pretty fair assessment of Chicago. We fell at number 34. So we're not the lowest, but guys, we're not the top 10. 34, now, here, now so then the numbers kind of get a little bit more sobering. Chicagoans, on, on average, Chicagoans, our great city of Chicago, roughly give about 2.6% of our annual earnings. Give about 2.6%. Now, it's better than some cities, but here's what's reality. That's down, down 5.1% since 2006. So not only are we not giving much we're giving less than we used to give and then to make it worse milwaukee placed 31st (laughs) so now they've got that so that's about it so we like to believe that we're generous people we like to think that we are i like to think that i am and then you have to kind of push deeper and go okay so all of us would say, I am generous. I like to think I'm generous, but I know I could be more. How many of you would say, I like to think I'm generous, but I could be more generous just by showing your hands? Yeah, I think it's all of us. In fact, maybe you found yourself saying this. I mean, this is uh, something I found myself saying, like, I want to give more and I will give more once I get a little bit more. Have you ever found yourself thinking that? It, and it's understandable. You kind of look at the numbers and go, if I could just make a little bit more, I would give more. I mean, I've done this with God with the lottery so many times, like, Lord... <laughs> I'll play it if you'll pay it, Like I w- and I will give 15% back to you, God. I think we have this belief that if we made just a little bit more, had just a little bit more, we would give a little bit more. But interestingly enough, the numbers don't back up that reality. In fact, there was a, a big study done by the National Center for Charitable Statistics, and I know you follow all of their work, <laughs> and they looked at what people make compared to what they give, and it's It's fascinating. So listen to this. They kind of looked at what people make. So those who make less than $50,000 a year, so maybe that's you, making less than $50,000 a year, on average, give 4% of what they have, what they make every year. So then you double that number. And those who make between $75,000 and $100,000 each year give roughly 3%. So they're making twice as much but giving significantly less. But then you double that again. Those who make between 200000 and 250000 only give about 2.6%. So we believe that if we had more, we would give more, but the numbers tell a very different story. Reality says, no, what ends up happening is the more you get, the more you hold on to it. The more you get, the more you're afraid of losing it. And so you hold on to it tighter and tighter, telling yourself all along the way, if I just had a little bit more. So we like to believe that we are generous and giving people. But sometimes reality is far from the truth. In fact, there is a huge difference between believing that you're generous and actually being generous. It's a very big difference. seems kind of obvious, but it's true. Huge difference between believing, wanting to believe that I'm a generous and I'm a giving person and actually being that kind of person, actually being generous. So what I want to walk through for the next few moments is what it looks like to be generous. Why why would we do that? And how do we do that specifically when it comes to our life and a transforming relationship with Jesus? And if that's you and you felt that kind of struggle of like, man, that is kind of me and I want to, but I don't know why I don't always do that. You are not alone. In fact, you're not the first This idea of giving back to God and trusting Him with our stuff—this is what's so amazing. It's a part of our human nature that struggle. In fact, it's a part of the human story. The the very second generation of humanity's existence—Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel—had an issue. They wrestled over what they would give to God. One of them got it right. One of them did it. One of them died for it, killed the other one. This is this goes all the way back in our story. How do we give back to God, and how do we view our stuff differently? So I want us to take a moment to look at a church, a, li- a moment in the life of a church, not unlike this church, where there was great intention to give, but it had yet to be followed up with an action of giving. And so it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you brought your Bible with you, would you open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9? If not, I want you to, would you grab one of these Bibles in the seat back and grab a pen? We're going to circle a few things, underline a few things. So please, I would ask that you would read this along and kind of discern and determine for yourself what you believe is going on here, what God's saying. Uh, in these Bibles, it's page 807. Page 807, that'll help fast track you there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me give you a little bit of context as to what's happening right before we get to the verses we're about to look at today. Just quick little historical context of what's going on. About you know, seven or eight years before this letter was written to the church in the city of Corinth, the city in Greece, Corinth, there was a huge famine and drought that had hit uh, the area or the province where Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, existed. And if you kind of know a little bit about sort of church history, the actual revolution of the church began in the city of Jerusalem. And it began with a bang. In fact, the very first church in the city of Jerusalem was a mega church by the end of its first day. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming into a relationship with Christ day after day after day. But they were in a really tough spot. As their area was under this drought and this famine, there was great need in their city. And the church, which was there, they'd set it up, God had set the church up to provide for the needs of the community. That church was in need itself. And so the Apostle Paul went around to all the other churches that had been, you know, born out of, come out of the church in the city of Jerusalem. He said, hey, we can help. Let's give a gift to actually help this church so that they can meet the needs of their church and their community." And so he had come to the church in the city of Corinth a year prior and kind of gave his pitch, like, this is how we can help. And they immediately got on board with it. They're like, yes, we will do it. Sign us up. Where's the online form? We will check the box. And they were very, very excited to do it. But that was a year ago. And they had yet to follow through with the intention that they actually had in their heart. So Paul is lovingly leading them. And I believe speaking to every one of us who believes that we're generous to actually help us become generous. Generous. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Paul says these words. Remember this, he says. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. How many of you have ever heard this concept or this, this idea before? Sort of like the more that you sort of put in, the more that you get out. Paul's using a very kind of basic agricultural practical principle here and giving it spiritual context. He's saying, now remember, when it comes to your intention and your desire to be generous, the more you sort of go all in and trust God, there's actually more that you receive. And the more you hold back, the more you miss out on what God's doing in the world. He's borrowing from a teaching of Jesus where Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. receive. He's saying it's the same kind of idea. When you give, you actually have the joy that comes in the exchange. So Paul goes on to say that there's a real blessing that comes from giving back to God. Now what he's saying here is he's giving us a principle that when we give to God, we actually receive from God. And I just want to hit pause on this because I think this is where some churches can get real sideways. Let me just be really clear. This is a principle about giving to God and receiving blessing from God. It is not a formula. It's not a formula. It's not like, give God 10, he'll give you 100. And there's a lot of churches that preach that. That's great. It's just not in the, it's not in the Bible. The principle here is, trust God, go all in with God and look at what he will do in your life. It's not a formula, it's a principle. And so he he goes on to kind of talk about what this really looks like and he kind of lovingly leads into them. Verse seven, he says, now look, each of you should give what you have, what's the word, what you have decided to give. And that's referencing back to a year ago when they were fired up and they had a heart to give and they wanted to be givers and they believed that they were going to be givers. Paul says, remember when you did that? Well, then you should give what you actually determined in your heart to give, what you actually had a plan, what you decided in your heart to give. And then I love that he says this. He goes, not, not reluctantly, not like, oh, out of fear or not out of obligation or guilt because, you know, someone kind of put the pressure on you. Paul says, no, 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 that's not why we give. In fact, that's not what motivated you in the first place to give. Paul says, God loves a cheerful Giver, How many of you have ever heard that phrase before? God loves a cheerful, a joyful giver. And this is where it comes from. God loves when we give joyfully to him. Now, this is a hallmark verse in the Bible. This is one that you need to like circle. And even if it's not your Bible, you're holding right now. This is a hallmark verse in the Bible. That we don't give out of God, out of guilt and obligation and duty to him. But we give out of joy. That while it's true that every follower of Jesus is actually directed to To give to God, we give to God out of delight, not out of duty. Because I love, I love, I can see God's goodness in my life. And so I delight to give back to him. Now I'm going to be real for you for just like a moment here. Hopefully I'm real all the time. But right now I'm going to be extra real. This is what I found in in my life and our relationship with my wife and I is we've dedicated our lives to living this principle out. There are some times when it is our sheer joy to give to God. We are we love being able to give to God. We love being able to set up our resources in such a way that when we see God moving, we can get behind it. Sometimes the joy comes before the giving. Sometimes it comes after. And sometimes I give not out of guilt or obligation, but because I believe what God says is true. And I may not feel all like giddy about giving in the moment. <laughs> But I know that there's actually joy that comes when I do. And I'm telling you, I have yet to regret giving to God. Sometimes I feel great about going into it. Sometimes I feel a ton of fear. But I always am like, God, you shaped and transformed and grew my heart. That's what's at the heart of all of this. And Paul knows our tendency, God knows our tendency to get kind of all freaked out about this and kind of start gripping stuff even tighter. So, what he does is to this principle that he gave us about how when we give to God, we actually receive from God because he's the one who gave it to us in the first place. Paul adds a promise to the principle, and it's found actually in verse 8. He says, And look, don't forget this God is able to bless you. What's the word? In other words, God doesn't operate, his blessing doesn't operate on a budget, he will bless you abundantly. Abundantly. God will bless you above and beyond. Now, I want you to, here's what's going to happen. So far, i would put your participation at maybe like C minus level. So I want you to kind of step it up a little bit, okay? I want to pause and call out, and I want you to call back to me the phrases, because Paul's about to make a very emphatic point, and I want us to receive that today from God, okay? So Paul goes on to say, look, not only are you, know, God is going to be able to bless you abundantly. Now, I want, when I pause, you shout the words out. So that in what? Always. At all times. Having You will abound in what? Do you see that? Underline that. Pay attention to that. This is the promise of God. You can trust God, he says, because at all times, in all things, all circumstances, all seasons of your life, at all times of your life, you will have all that you need. God will provide for you. You will have all that you need so that you can do all that God's created you to do. Isn't that beautiful? This is a promise of God. He said you can count on this. At all times and all things, all circumstances, all seasons of life, all budgets, you'll have all that you need so that you can do all I've created you to do. You can be a part of the good works that I've actually created you to do. And he reminds them, but Paul goes back to Psalm 112 and he pulls out this little promise that goes back there for those who choose to live their life and live in the art of giving. He says that these kinds of people have freely scattered. They scatter their gifts to the poor. They give freely. And I love these words. Their righteousness endures forever. It's as though there's a legacy to your generosity that is far bigger than you, that will outlive you and ultimately outshines you and gives glory to God that when we give freely and fully to God, when we trust Him and go all in with Him, that that little act actually outlasts us, endures us. Paul goes on to add another promise to this principle to remind us of where it all comes from and who it all belongs to. Verse 10, now he who supplies the seed, he's using very, very like real down to earth metaphors here. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He's using all kinds of metaphors here. He's saying he's not only gonna meet every one of your needs, but he's literally going to grow you as you give to him. Verse 11, you will be enriched. What a great choice of words there. You will be made rich. You will be enriched in every way. Here Paul goes again. So that you can be generous on every occasion. You will be enriched. Your life will be rich when you choose to trust God with what he's already given to you so that you can be generous on every occasion. And then through your generosity, that will result in thanksgiving to God. And what Paul's saying here is your little act of giving is far more than a financial exchange. It's an act of worship. It's an act of dependence. It's a declaration of trust. It's much, much bigger than a financial exchange because when you do, it actually echoes out through heaven and around this world as a a gift, an act of worship and thanksgiving to God. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture that Paul paints to us. There's so much more than just sort of believing that we're generous. Ultimately, if we're ever going to be generous, it begins— Ultimately, being generous begins with our trusting God. Trusting that He is actually good. I know we sing that all the time. It's really fun and easy at this place to sing those words. But I mean really genuinely trusting that He's good. As long as I've known God, I, I don't personally really struggle with the existence of God. I believe God exists. There's just too much evidence in my life personally but I do struggle with whether or not he's good. I I wrestle, I wonder. Sometimes it's when I look at my finances, I go, God, really? Like, how long are the terms on your promises here? What are we we talking about here? When I look at seasons where it's been really tough and difficult and I felt like I haven't heard from God on something I needed, I thought I needed to hear immediately from him on. God, are you good? Are you still good? Are you still good? When I choose to trust, when I believe God, and I trust him that he's good, that's when something begins to shift in me and I start to be more of who God created me to be. When I begin to trust that God actually has enough, that there's no scarcity in heaven, there's no famine or drought in heaven, that God has enough for you, always will, always has, has enough for you, that that, that he knows that God is actually going to provide for you because he's a perfect parent. God doesn't give to you and provide the resources in your life out of guilt or obligation, out of some kind of contract, business contract that he signed an eternity ago where he's like, oh, I guess i got to give them all that they need, blah, blah, blah. Sign the paper, shuffle it down. No, God gives to you out of love because he loves you. And he's a perfect parent that does not withhold anything that his kids need. When I trust that, it shifts something in my heart. It changes something in my heart. When I trust that as I give back to God, I'm actually going to receive something in the transaction far greater than I could have ever imagined. I'm going to receive joy. I'm going to receive a sense of purpose. I'm going to receive just the blessing of knowing that I'm a part of something God's doing. When I trust that that's what's really going on, it shifts and it changes things. See, I think fundamentally when it comes to the art of being, when it comes to the art of giving and being a giver, it's all about trust. I think trust is where being begins. Trust is where being begins. Am I willing to truly trust God? And when I can sort of cross that line and say, I trust you, I don't have all the answers. I don't figure it out. I can't have it all figured out, but I trust you. That's when I actually begin to be, not just believe, that I'm generous, that I can give back to a God who's already given to me. And I want to just kind of demonstrate the power of trust when it comes to our resources. How big of a deal this is. You know, it's not just a financial thing. This is a faith thing. This is a trust thing. So I want you to, if you would, for just a moment, trust me. Can you trust me for the next like, couple minutes? Hopefully. I want you to grab your wallet, uh, if you would, right now. Grab it out of your back pocket, if you got it there. Grab it out of your purse. I really mean this. Like, I really want everyone to do this. So if you have a wallet and you're not grabbing it right now, you're disobeying God. And so I I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it, but I had to say it. No, I want everyone, if you would, just to trust in this next moment, grab your wallet, pull it out, out of your purse, out of your pocket. And would you do this? Would you, can you look and see? I don't know what you have in there. Maybe you don't either, but can you look and see if there's a dollar bill? Do you have a dollar bill in there? Okay, well, I do. And I want to just point out how significant this is. I think it's so interesting. It's so central to this idea of what it means to have a relationship with God and to be in relationship with Him. This trust thing is so central and significant that somehow in our Western, postmodern American culture, our money driven, consumer driven culture, isn't it interesting that there's a little phrase written on the back of every single dollar bill? And what does it say? In God we trust. What if we really did, actually? What if we really did? I mean, we we had to write this on our money to remind us of what this is really about. Don't forget this. And somehow, 2,000 years later, it's still like we are in a world that still says, no, 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 don't trust this, trust him. Don't put your faith in this. This comes and goes. This actually comes from God. And this, listen, you don't have any promise of any of this. Don't put your trust in this. Trust in God. Trust is at the center of it all. And it's where being actually begins. And so I want to take the metaphor up a notch if I can, just to see how um, crucial this is and how tight our grip of our stuff is and how often we can miss what God's doing by holding on so tightly and trusting this. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to hand your wallet uh, to the person next to you. Not ne- if your spouse is next to you, not them. They already know how to take your wallet. So don't, <laughs> I want you to actually hand your wallet to a stranger. And I'm hundred percent serious. If you've got a money clip, hand that to him. Maybe you should look him in the eyes first or just do a kind of a, a quick background check. If you would make sure you know, like, Don't keep passing it, just one person. Just one person's all you need to do here. Nicole, do you mind holding mine? Okay, now are you holding someone else's wallet hopefully this moment? Well, this is the time in our service where we actually wanna receive the offering and so I'm gonna ask the funds. I want you to give freely. Give like you've never given before. Dollars, credit cards, driver's license, it doesn't matter. We trust God with other people's stuff. Can you imagine? <laughs> so you're holding someone else's stuff, and they worked really hard for this. They have their own kind of backstory as to what that's really worth. They have their own varying levels of trust. What you're holding in your hand is, in a very real way, something sacred to someone else next to you. And this is kind of what it feels like for us when we release the grip of our stuff. It's scary, isn't it? I mean, you're not even totally sure if you can trust the person next to you. <laughs> and you may, have, like, come with them today. But I bet, like, while you're holding that other person's wallet right now, my hunch is I'll bet, I'll bet your perspective of that wallet is different than the perspective of your own. Like, maybe, maybe for you, you wouldn't have any problem giving their money. Like, I don't know, no consequences, their money. And so you give it, maybe, maybe, maybe you would. My hunch is, though, maybe you might go, no, 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 I can't do that. They trusted me with this. I mean, they, and they're right there. Like, LAUGHTER and so you might even look at it like very differently. You might treat it very 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 differently because it's not yours. See, when we get this perspective, this shift that all of this is not ours. It comes from the hand of a good and loving God who at all times and all things will provide you with all that you need so that you can abound in every good work. It changes your perspective. It frees you because the burden is not on you. God is the one who has given it to you. Your responsibility is to respond to him freely and fully. So I'm gonna ask you actually to give the wallet back to the person who gave it to you. You might actually wanna you might actually wanna check and just make sure everything's still in there. You know I, mean? I mean you know them and there's good reason to. That perspective shift, that that shift of going, what if it's like what if it's not all mine? What if this actually comes from God? What might I what, what might that change about how I interact with my resources? What if I really trusted the one who gave it to me? that he's good, that he's loving, that he'll always provide. How might I want to respond to that truth? And I'm telling you, this church would not be what it is. We wouldn't be sort of where we're at if it weren't for ordinary, everyday people like you making that fundamental faith shift and saying, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to give to something he's doing. And it looks different for every single person, but the common thread is trust to trust God. I'm going to give back to him and what he's doing. I am mean, think of story after story after story. Folks from our church, uh, back in the fall, we, we did something we kind of do every year. We invite people to take a 90-day giving challenge where we say, look, well, for 90 days, will you, will you trust God with your stuff? Will you kind of not just believe you're generous, but actually be generous, even if only for 90 days, and see what happens in your heart? We did that back in the fall. 177 people in one Sunday said, I want to do that. That's huge huge. And I get to hear a lot of the stories. Did this a year ago or so, and a friend of mine signed up, fired up, just like the church in Corinth, signed up, I'm in, here I go, and and set his life up to start giving. Within about a month or so, lost his job. And it was like, oh, now what? Do I really still trust God? And to see through prayerful tears saying, nope, No, I believe he's good. In fact, he has to be. I have to trust him right now because I don't know where it's all going to come from. So it better come from him. And I'm going to continue to, as best I can, be faithful to the intention that I have and put it into action by giving. I think of friends of mine, a young couple who started their marriage in a significant level of debt, significant school loan stuff, all that kind of stuff. And they said, look, we're going to work our hardest to be 100% debt-free, by our one-year anniversary. We're going to do it. We're going to work hard to do it. And we're going to give all the way through. We're not going to sort of wait till we have more or owe less to give more. So we're going to do it. And that's how they started their marriage. I mean, that, that level of trust is truly amazing to me. And I can't tell you, Jeannie and I, as pastors of this church, how much we love seeing what God is doing. When people cross that line of trust and say, okay, I'm going to give back to God. I want to respond to Him. Like what that does, I can't. It's such a beautiful thing to see. And I'm so thankful personally. This is, just, this is just me. I'm thankful that that's a part of our marriage and our story. I grew up going to church. I heard all these sermons. I thought they were for someone else. I kept telling myself that one day when I get a real job that actually pays money, I'll start giving. And I did and I didn't. I got a job, but I didn't give to God. So then when G and I got married, we said you know what let's do this let's do this we know this is right we know this is good and so we set up our finances to start giving And in those days when we just got married it was real easy you just carry the zero every month it's real easy to manage your finances when you don't have much to have but we said you know what god even the little we have we're going to give to you and so we did and i'm going to be really honest with you i'd love to tell you like aren't we awesome that we did that i don't i like i could be wrong but i can't remember a time in that season of our life first 10 years or so of our marriage where I felt like my heart be truly changed and transformed in the transaction of giving. I'm glad that we set our marriage up and our finances up that way. I'm so glad we gave, but I don't know if it was coming from a true place of trust. I don't know how much cheerful, joyful delight there was in it. I think we were just doing it because it was the right thing to do, and I believe that's great and fine and good. It wasn't until we said yes to God to start this church about five years or so ago and said, oh man, this is going to cost us something. And we had great jobs and a great life and a great home. And we said, okay, what if, God, we really put it all on the table and said we trust you with it all? And, and what, what, God, what would it look like for us to kind of lead out in the church as best we can, kind of lead out in giving to you, God, through this church? And then we did something so stupid. And it's not because we're awesome. We actually had some great mentors in our life just challenge us to go all the way with God. Because I know my tendency. We set our lives up to give 10% to God. We believe that's what the Bible teaches. There's tons of stuff on our website about that you can go to. So we'd kind of set that up. We had someone speak into our life. He said, hey, what would it look like for you at this most critical hour where you have very little seemingly to give to God if you made a commitment to give more to God every year than you had the year prior? And that sounded great in his office. It sounds really great in a sermon. Really hard to do. And somehow, by his faithfulness, every year, even the year and a half that we didn't take a paycheck, left our jobs to start this church, every single year, God has been faithful. And I could, I could spend the rest of the day, and if I were really in touch and in tune with the goodness of God the rest of my life, giving you an account of his faithfulness, I mean, to the point where that first year when we started the church and weren't taking paychecks and our tax guy just was like, this is, no, but how does this, like he had no answer for how any of this worked. And that's when we began to say, only God, only God. He has yet to hold back from us. And so we didn't, I don't want to hold back from him. And I'm telling you, it is not easy. I'd love for you to hear like, we just give and give and give and it's never a struggle. It's hard. <laughs> It's hard, it's hard, but it's changed my life. It's not easy, it just can change your life, free you, open your heart and your life up to trusting the God that we already count on in our life for everything, for the air we breathe, for the life we have, for the resources we have, and so am I willing to trust him by giving back to him? It has changed my life, it's not easy, it's just life changing. And we don't want anyone to miss the opportunity to respond to God out of what he's already given to you. That's why we talk about it here at Soul City Church. That's why we don't think it's weird to talk about this. We think it actually honors God to talk openly and honestly about this and to provide on-ramps and opportunities for people to get in the game of what God's actually doing and actually be giving. And so... Well, we're going to receive the offering here in a little bit. I know you're like, oh, yep, see, they do this every single time. Why can't I? They always wait till after the message to do the offering, and that way they'll get more. And yeah, you're right. That's it, that, yep, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> There's no point in beating around the bush. But what we really actually want to do is to approach this offering from a different place in our heart, from a place of trust. Not obligation, not guilt, not fear, not pressure. Not because I've said some persuasive thing, but because you know in your heart that you want to live a generous life. And so we want to provide you an opportunity to be, to actually let that begin, to start. And so it was a really fun thing. Brandon, who's a part of our team, came to us in the fall and said, hey, I think we can make giving a little bit more approachable for folks. It's never going to be easy, but I think we can help people kind of get on board. And so we've kind of re-shifted completely how we do all of our online giving. Gene and I give online. It's totally, it's the best way for us. We actually like draw from our bank account so we don't incur any fees or charges. That way the church gets the whole gift from us. And so we've set it up that way. And he came and found this app where you can actually like give from your phone. I mean, you do everything else from your phone. But this is a way that you can actually give on your phone. You can not only give in the moment, you can set up to kind of make yourself, as we talked about here, a percentage giver, a joyful, percentage, consistent giver. And so here's the deal. If you have a phone, I'm not going to ask you to pull your wallet out, but you can pull your phone out. And I just want to let you know about this. This is what's so great. Is I want to let you know about a next step you can take. And ultimately, this is between you and God. This is between you and God. I, I don't feel any sort of Obligation to work out the numbers with you. That's between you and God. If you're married, you and your spouse, your partner, you need to work this stuff out. But I want to help you take a next step. And so here's what you can do. You can actually text this number. So open up your little text dialog there, and seven seven nine seven seven. We asked for all sevens because we thought that would be a holy and perfect number, but they didn't give it to us. So seven seven nine seven seven. If you text that number and just one word, no space, Soul City. If you just Text that number, 77977, and just one word, Soul City, $10,000 will automatically be deducted <laughs> from your, no, here's what's going to happen. It's going to send you a little link, and it's going to invite you into a process to say, do I, am I really willing to trust God? Now, again, if you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a, a follower of Jesus, don't worry about this. Don't worry. I mean, you can do it. Let's see what happens. But don't worry about this. This is for those of us who say that we're in a transforming relationship with Jesus, who've been directed by Jesus to give back to him as a delight, not a duty. And this is a great way to do that. And so you can literally give, like when the bucket comes by, you, there's the thing, you can like press a button and give in that moment if you like to do that or throw your phone in the bucket if you want to. I don't know, like, and it is, it's actually a brilliant system, great platform, and it's a huge, huge shift for our church to make it that much more approachable to start giving consistently and joyfully As a church. And so maybe for you, the best thing is you to text that number and at least just follow up this afternoon with God. Work out the details with Him. But I would encourage you to consider what your response is going to be to Him. Here's the beautiful thing. This is why the Bible says so clearly, it's not out of guilt, it's not out of obligation. This is ultimately really about trust and ultimately it's really about love. There's this beautiful quote that I came across years ago that I think applies to this moment of where we're at right now. It's by an author, Richard Bronstein, and he says these words. He says that it's actually possible to give without loving. You can give right now out of obligation or guilt or shame or I don't know, you can give without loving. It's totally possible to do, but it is impossible to love without giving. It's impossible to love someone without giving of yourself to them. Those of you who are in a relationship, married, is this true? It's impossible to go in the love relationship with someone and not give to them. The same is true of a relationship with God. This is a grace-based relationship of love. And if I'm going to sing and say that I love God, then giving is a part of that. It's just a part of that life with God. I can't love God and not respond to his incredible goodness in my life, his unmatched faithfulness in my life, to trust him with it all. See, there's nowhere else is that idea better on display than at the cross of Jesus Christ. This is really what it all comes down to for us. Is this, this idea that God says, I love you and let me show you how much. I'm gonna give my son. I can't say I love you without giving. And so I'm not gonna hold anything back. I'll give my son. He's gonna pay the price, the debt of the sin of this world, of my sin and yours. At the cross, we see love on display through the gift of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so really, again, at the end of the day, this is not a financial talk. This is a faith talk. This is a trust talk. And in light of what God has given, I just would ask you to consider, how do you respond How might you respond in this little area of your life? So I'm going to pray and then we're just going to come to the cross and sit in the reality of what he's done for us, what he's given to us because of how much he loves us. And then we'll receive our offering and go on about our day. Would you join me right now in a prayer to God together before we give and before we sing? Jesus, thank you for the reality of the gift that you've given to us. You not only told us you loved us, you showed us you loved us by giving your life for us. I don't think think we can even comprehend until we're in your presence in heaven just how costly that gift was and how freeing that gift is and how it covers every single part of us, how it covers over the sin that we confess and bring to you, how it covers over our fears, how it covers over our reluctance and our resistance to you how it covers over the belief that we are something without actually being it. So Jesus, thank you for what you've given to us. And I pray that as we give and as we sing right now, there would be a very tangible sense of joy and delight. What a thrill it is to partner with you, God, in the work that you're doing through this church, the work that you're doing through the church around the world. God, thank you that you've invited us to be a part And so would you help us wrestle through this? Would you help us respond to you in a way that blesses you as you have so abundantly blessed us? Help us to trust you, we pray in your name, amen.